Hello, Vitality Explorers. Dr. Alan Mishra here with another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. The purpose of the podcast, as always, is to optimize vitality one person at a time. Let's start off with this week's quotes, and here are two. Quote, you can't make progress with excuses. That's from Cam Newton. Number two is, quote, Winners never quit and quitters never win. That's from Vince Lombardi. Winners never quit and quitters never win. We like to start off that quote, and that's in the context of one of the things we're going to talk about this week, which is why football fanatics flourish. Second one we're going to talk about is why 85% effort is better than 100% effort. And the final one is vitamin D reduces autoimmune diseases by 22%. Our goal here with the podcast is to help readers and listeners, uh, especially listeners to the podcast, obviously, but you can read all about the details on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. But our goal is to enhance your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being. So if you're enjoying what you are listening to, please share it with somebody and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So um, let's start with that. Why football fanatics flourish? Now, this is a little bit of a selfish post here because last weekend I got to go back to the big house and watch my beloved Michigan Wolverines play and, of course, win. So I love Michigan football and live sports in general. But I found interesting there are four reasons, four specific reasons that have data to back them up about why watching sports enhances vitality. And here they are. Number one, increases your life satisfaction. Number two, leads to a higher sense of life being worthwhile, especially if your team wins. Number three, decreases loneliness and increases social connections. And number four, inspires us to be more active. Now, um, we're going to explore a little bit of the science behind that. But as I said, I was... I got a chance to go back to speak at the University of Michigan Medical School. You can listen to some of that podcast on previous on the previous episode. But as always, when I go back to Ann Arbor, I, I sort of try to bracket that around <clears throat> a Saturday football game. And Michigan this past Saturday won their 991st game. And that is uh, the, the leading number of wins in college football, by the way. But what I found fascinating, and this is just my personal experience that led me to, to kind of research, is there actually any data behind why watching live sports matters to our vitality? And I found this, this paper called Attending Live Sporting Events Predicts Subjective Well-Being and Reduces Loneliness. And according to that paper, that's where I got three or four, three of the four things we just talked about. That paper of which analyzed a survey of 7,249 adults, and they found that that people who watched live sporting events increased their life satisfaction, increased their sense of being worthwhile, and reduced their loneliness. And they actually asked the, the, the participants of this research um, paper or research investigation a single question, and that is, in the last 12 months, have you attended <clears throat> any live sporting events? And then they smashed it up against these questions. And, and they are overall, how satisfied are you with your life? And, uh, and that's number one. Number two, to what extent do you feel like things in your life are worthwhile? Number three, taking all things together, how happy are you? Uh, and number four is on a scale of zero, which equals not anxious at all, to 10, being completely anxious, how anxious are you feeling? And finally, how often do you feel lonely? And then that was often 
sometimes or hardly ever, and then never. And what's interesting is that they found significant improvements in life satisfaction, sense of worth, and reduction in loneliness. And you can look at the Vitality Explorer Substack site to see the graphs, obviously see the reference and abstract. Um, what's interesting is that they didn't find any significant improvements in happiness or anxiety, which they found somewhat surprising. But I think it's kind of interesting is that maybe tied to the outcome of the games, because obviously sometimes we are maybe too connected to the uh, our team and we, we get either happy if they win or anxious or unhappy if they lose. But they, the researchers concluded, quote, attending a live sporting event may present an accessible, scalable, and effective tool for improving the public's well-being and reducing loneliness. Let me say that one more time. Attending a live sporting event may present an accessible, scalable, and effective tool for improving the public's well-being and reducing loneliness. And another report suggested that attending a live sporting event increases our social connectivity and may even inspire us to get out there and be active. Um, so the Vitality Explorer analysis of this is pretty simple. I think the scientific literature confirms our, our sort of spidey sense that going to live sports is a way to enhance your vitality. I think it can improve our overall well-being, and it may be an under-recognized way to combat the epidemic of loneliness in our world. Somebody said to me when I was at this game, and Michigan holds about 110,000 people, and this person said, it is impossible to be lonely at a Michigan football game. So there may be a lot of different perspectives on life uh, in terms of how we approach it, but you know, most of the people in that stadium, other than the opposing team's fans, have one single thing on, on their mind when they go to the game, and that is to cheer for Michigan. Now, that means whatever your sporting team is, soccer, football, basketball, um, hockey, volleyball, whatever it is, whatever you like to watch, uh, I think attending even one event per year can make a difference. So I suggest we, we identify one live sporting event that we might like to see, take a friend with you, and know that you're going to have fun, and it'll very likely improve your overall well-being. So please post your comments about this. Please mention what your favorite team is, except I don't want to hear about if it's Ohio State. Um, but just, just kidding on that. Obviously, Michigan people are not big Ohio State fans. And you can see <clears throat> more about that reference of attending live sporting events predicts subjective well-being and reduces loneliness. And that was by Keys at all. And that was out of the UK. They were, they were talking about soccer in general, but they were also talking about any live sporting event. So I think this is kind of connected to the next thing we're going to talk about. And that is why 80%, excuse me, 85% effort is better than 100% effort. The sort of, I think the learning of why less is more and could possibly lead to a gold medal. Now I put up a picture of Carl Lewis, who ended up with nine gold medals in his career, I believe. He had four and one Olympics, and he absolutely dominated sprints and long jump events for more than a decade. And he did so, interestingly, with 85% effort. Now we're gonna explore his, his particular journey. We're also gonna talk about other, other data on this, but there's a, there's a video, there's a link to a video up online on the Vitality Explorer Substack site where Carl Lewis set the world record for 100 meters. And the video 
starts with with Lewis really not getting out of the blocks very fast. And I think it's interesting to note that at that time, this is back, I believe, in the early 90s, getting out of the blocks was really considered to be when you went, won or lost uh, lost this event. But what you see in this, you know, maybe it's obviously less than 10 seconds, but the total video may be two or three minutes, is you can see that Lewis does not get out of the blocks very well, but that he consistently makes up ground on his competitors over this very short race of just 100 meters. And at the end, this is the key, at the end of the race, you can see that his face is relaxed when you compare it to his rivals. And they are straining just to get to the finish line where he is relaxed as he crosses the finish line and then jubilantly, you know, throws up his arms. And, and then when he realized, of course, that he not only won the race, but he set a world record. Now, this idea of 80% being a rule of increasing productivity was discussed also in a recent um, Harvard Business Review article by Greg McCowan, and he is the author of the amazing book, Essentialism. I highly recommend you check out his book. It's been out for a long time, but it's it's pr probably one of the few books that has made a massive long-term difference in terms of my vitality. It really helped me understand how to manage my time, my precious, most precious non-renewable resource. But he wrote a, he wrote a little relatively short article about why 85% may be the optimal amount of effort in business. Uh, and, and he compared it to the, to the 100 meter sprint. And here's a quote from his article. Quote, the 85% rule counterintuitively suggests that to reach maximum output, we need to refrain from giving maximum effort. Operating at 100% effort all the time will result in burnout and ultimately less optimal results. Interesting, right? So it's the suggestion is that you can put in 85%, kind of like Carl Lewis. And in, in the article, McCown also talks about uh, Tom Tellez, who is uh, Carl Lewis's uh, coach or was his coach at the time. And he discussed the value of relaxing while you sprint. Sounds kind of weird, right? But the quote from his, his coach is, quote, don't grit your teeth. If you do, the tension will run all the way down your neck, trunk to eventually your legs. So um, his coach, Carl Lewis and, and uh, Greg McCowan are all suggesting that accelerating too soon, pushing it to 100% results in an overall slower race. And, and they're suggesting that, you know, we should be at 85% and we, we need to kind of learn how to exert ourselves, but not overexert ourselves. And McCowan calls this effortless, effortless action. You know, and past a certain point, more effort does not produce better performance. It actually sabotages our performance. Think about that. More effort past a certain point does not lead to better performance. It may sabotage our performance. So there's an interesting graph in terms of time spent working, exertion, overexertion, and your overall performance, and sort of this idea of when should we trigger a time to rest. And I encourage you to look at the Vitality Explorer Substack site to see that particular graph because I think it's very valuable. Now, this work was also corroborated by some work at Microsoft and their Microsoft's Human Factors group, where they found that back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back video meetings leads to higher stress levels in our brain. Now, how many times have we all had that in the last two or three years? We've had back-to-back -back either video or in-person meetings. 
And your brain, according to their research, literally works differently when you take a break. So taking a time out between video calls uh, prevents stress from building up. And the way they figured this out is they basically wired up people with what's called an EEG cap. And that sort of uh, looks like a little weird snug fitting astronaut cap with some wires connected to it um, that is measuring your brain activity. And when they found that you went to back to back to back meetings, the levels of your, um, you know, what's called your beta wave activity increased in your brain, which is a measurement of, of, of stress. But taking a break, a break in between meetings led to less stress as measured by the electrical activity in your brain. Now that's a very cool video or very cool graphic that's up on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. I encourage you to look at that from that work by Microsoft. And it basically shows yellow and red uh, electrical signal activity with no break in a sort of a blue calm when there is a break between meetings. Now this idea of 85% effort I think is starting to take off. Because uh, the Wall Street Journal also recently had an article about it, you can you can look at look at that reference online. But here's here's their quote: "Try hard from the Wall Street Journal. Try hard, but not that hard. Eighty five percent is the magic number for productivity to do the best work of your life. So try to take it down a notch. Kind of fascinating from the Wall Street Journal, right? Try hard, but not that hard. Eighty five percent is the magic number for productivity. So to do your best work, take it down a notch." And then they have these pictures of you know, 85 being the appropriate number. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations about this. I think we should consider applying that 85% rule to enhance our vitality and add three specific suggestions. Number one, and this, this may be the most important one, especially for those of us who have to have back-to-back -back meetings. Number one, stop um, at a 60 minute video call at 51 minutes. So 51 divided by 60 is 85%. And then use that extra time to take a mini break. Get a drink, go to the bathroom, and then prepare for your next call. This reduces your stress, your, your stress and risk of burnout. Number two, put in 85% effort when lifting weights at the gym. Move the weight slowly and mindfully, seeking to be aware of your body's balance and position at all times. And working out at 85% will likely produce the same or better results with less risk of injury. And number three, if you are a leader, try to take the 85% rule and apply it to your team for a week or a month and see if they are more or less productive. Give yourself and your colleagues permission to nourish themselves with a little rest while pursuing whatever lofty goals you have. And consistently giving 85% effort instead of 100% leads to higher levels of success with lower risk of burnout. So think of Carl Lewis running smoothly down the track. Think of his competitors bolting out of the blocks, but then kind of straining at the end to finish. And then finally, think of Lewis winning the race, standing at the apex of the podium with a gold medal around your neck. And what my final sort of thing for people to think about is to think of all of the races we have to run in our lives. And data suggests we can run our motors at 85% of the maximum and have really ultimately better performance with less risk. So you can post your comments on the Vitality Explorer Substack site to see this. Um, you know, I, again, I, I'm not, I want to believe that this is all true. I have to say that sometimes I run myself at 100, 110% and do get a little burned out, but I'm gonna to try to employ this 85% rule at least over the next month or so and see what happens and I will report back. 
Okay, um, the final thing we're going to talk about on this week's podcast is that vitamin D reduces autoimmune disease by 22%. Now, we've talked a lot about vitamin D in the past, but I think optimizing the sunshine vitamin matters. And here's five common autoimmune disorders uh, that, that a lot of people have. Unfortunately, lupus, Sjogren's syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, and then psoriatic arthritis. Those are just five examples of this. But it turns out that optimizing your vitamin D may be a simple and safe way to mitigate autoimmune disorders. Um, and then, you know, understanding that these autoimmune disorders are really weird ones. These are where your body attacks its own self. Um, you know, so its own system, its own, our own immune system starts to overreact and attack. Um, fortunately, emerging trials, uh, emerging clinical trials in basic science have supported the use of vitamin D as a modulator of our immune system that can reduce the risk of developing one of these nasty disorders. So disclaimer, always a disclaimer here. This post is for informational purposes. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Consult with your personal physician before beginning any supplementation. Now, let's review this important clinical trial. And this trial was vitamin D um, in an incident autoimmune disorder in a controlled randomized, randomized controlled trial. So again, you can look at the Vitality Explorer Substack site to see the details of this, but this was t over 25,000 people tracked for 5.3 years. And they gave people 2,000 units of vitamin D compared to placebo, and the results were pretty interesting. There was a 22% less risk of developing an autoimmune disorder when they gave people the 2,000 units. So they call that the cumulative incidence. There's a little picture of that on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Um, and the paper concluded... Uh, quote, the clinical importance of these findings is high because these are well-tolerated, non-toxic supplements and other effective uh, treatments to reduce the instance, are, uh, instance of autoimmune diseases are lacking. So basically, vitamin D is a, according to this, is a safe and effective way to potentially reduce the risk of getting an autoimmune disorder. Now, this particular clinical paper is supported by two basic science papers that help explain why vitamin D supplementation can reduce the risk of getting one of these disorders, such as lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. And here, here are the titles of the papers. First one is a review of the critical role of vitamin D access on the immune system. And the second one is immunomodulatory actions of vitamin D in various immune-related disorders, a comprehensive review. Now, these two papers reviewed the mounting mountain, the mounting mountain of evidence supporting vitamin D as a modulator of our immune system. The receptor uh, for vitamin D is found on almost all immune cells and is responsible for, responsible for decreasing what are called pro-inflammatory cytokines. Again, there's kind of a cool graphic up on the Vitality Explorer Substack site where you can see where we can get vitamin D activated from our skin if we are exposed to sunlight. Uh, we can get it in our diet. We can take supplementations, supplements like you know, um, vitamin D pills. But these are all processed in both our liver and our kidney, and then they affect our immune system. They affect the specific cells within our immune system. These have fancy names like a dendritic cell, a macrophage, a natural killer cell, or a lymphoid cell. But here's the conclusion of, of the paper, the first paper. Quote, evidence indicates that vitamin D deficiency may be a potential environmental triggering factor for autoimmune disorders. 
So that's pretty interesting, right? So you've got a clinical trial showing that you supplement it, decreases the risk. Basic science data suggests that vitamin D deficiency is a triggering factor for autoimmune disorders. So here's the analysis. I think the collective data presented here in these three papers, again, you can see the references in the Vitality Explorer Substack site, are strong evidence supporting the use of vitamin D supplementation to decrease the risk of developing a disorder. I think we still need better evidence to confirm the exact levels of vitamin D that help might mitigate that risk. But according to this data, I think 2,000 units per day seems safe and an absolutely inexpensive interve intervention. Remember to consult with your primary physician or your specialty physician before beginning any new treatment. Um, I think you can post your comments on, on, on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. I'd also encourage people to review the abstracts and the actual references from all three of these papers if this is of interest to you. Um, please also consider becoming a paid subscriber to Vitality Explorers on Substack. This helps helps us produce these uh, podcasts and these this data. There's over 400 scientific posts that you would gain access to. Um, this week, we have covered three different things. We've talked about why football fanatics flourish, why 85% effort is better than 100%, and how vitamin D reduces the risk of developing autoimmune disorders. Remember that those two quotes from uh, NFL quarterback Cam Newton, quote, you can't make progress with excuses. I like that. You can't make progress with excuses. And then, of course, the famous Vince Lombardi, who uh, was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, quote, winners never quit and quitters never win. Winners never quit and quitters never win. So in order to be vital, I think it's important for us to realize that it's a skill. It's also a gift that we give ourselves by taking ownership over our decisions. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorers. If you have, again, uh, pass this on to somebody, share it with somebody, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can, again, review all the data on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. You can also go to vitalityexplorers.com to re receive a free text message newsletter about this. And I hope your next week is amazing, vital, and remember to always get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Again, this is Dr. Alan Mishra from Vitality Explorers.